installment of the red shirt podcast so for those of you who don't know me my name is jeremy schneider i uh am a freshman in san diego and i'm all sports all the time i uh am a diehard san diego padres fan and outside of baseball i consider myself a new york sports fan including the yankees rangers Jets and Knicks. Um, ultimately, my favorite thing in sports, though, would have to be college sports, specifically college football. Um, diehard Arizona State fan and uh, big Alabama fan as well. My sister graduated from there recently. So basically, this is just going to be this is going to be a quick little episode um, getting us started. Um, just kind of an introduction to what I want to do with this podcast. So enjoy. Uh, give me your notes and comments. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, first thing I want to talk about was just the state of baseball. And we recently got the news that uh, the MLBPA is rejecting the most recent offer from the owners and that they will not be countering. And just saying that, tell them when and where, and they'll go. And then, I mean, this whole situation has been incredibly messy. And ultimately, I mean, Robert Manfred has just been an absolute embarrassment to this sport. I mean, before even this whole thing, people weren't fans of Manfred. A lot of his pace of play stuff. Um, with the Astros debacle, when he called, when he just called the World Series like a piece of metal. Um, awful commissioner. And the only upside from all of this is that maybe, maybe he gets canned. But, um... I don't know. I mean, the players made themselves incredibly clear through this whole point. They wanted prorated contracts with a reasonable amount of games. And the owners just kept giving them different versions of what they didn't want, I think. You know, they did the, fi- the like, 50 to 60 games prorated, which I don't know. They just thought the Players Association were idiots because that ends up not being worth it versus they do – they're looking at like 80 games with like 70, 75 pro rate, which is better. But it, I mean, the players, it's very clear they want full pro rated. And I honestly don't blame them. I think, yes, um, teams, they're not going to get the same revenue. We don't have, you know, there's not going to be fans in the stands most likely. But I mean, the, it's similar things for the players. The players are going out there and they're doing their job. So, I feel like the proration is totally fair. And ultimately, it's the owner's greed and inability, inability, excuse me, inability to just bite the bullet and give players what they want. Because ultimately, this season, it's going to be a bit of a loss for the owners, given 
the lack of fans and such, and just with coronavirus implications. And more to that, I think another factor that has uh, gone into all these issues and with the players being really staunch in their, you know, 100% proration with a reasonable amount of games is because I think players are just fed up with owners and just front offices right now with um, specifically like service time manipulation and just the baffling argument of free agency because the owners, they're just, all they're doing is cutting corners to find ways to save money and, you know, do whatever they can to win, which I totally understand. But at the same time, the players, I don't know, they're, they're people, you know? It's more than just X's and O's. They're people that totally under, especially with service time manipulation, that's totally changing someone's outcome. That's purposefully, you know, have putting a guy in a situation that he shouldn't be in because ultimately after you know chris bryant after the whatever 14 days or however long it is they stuck him in the minors when he was clearly ready um just to save another year and i just i totally understand the frustrations from the player from the uh, the player point of view and then i mean baseball it's our national pastime but it's slowly fading in viewership and audience you know, compared to basketball and football and all that, all that stuff. And I mean, with these ridiculous negotiations, it, it's clear that baseball is self-imploding. And I mean, it would be an absolute embarrassment and just a joke if other pro sports are playing and baseball isn't because of the coronavirus. And I mean, think about if we have football, if, if football is being played, football didn't even have to skip a beat, and then we're just not even playing our season. The, uh, it's just crazy because the reason we have a season or we don't have a season isn't necessarily because of coronavirus. It's because it's not coronavirus. The set's there for uh, there to be games played, albeit without, without fans and with certain restrictions. But the reason there's not being baseball played is just an inability to find common ground. And yes, I don't. I don't think the players are like 100% on the right. Um, you know, I think there are certain issues, but ultimately, it, it falls on the owners. And yeah, if uh, these whole negotiations say anything, the uh, the CBA expiring in 2021, those negotiations to re-up that will be incredibly ugly. And I, I mean. This is a very, very dark time for baseball. I love it. I hope we get something figured out. I ideally, I didn't want. I don't want fifty games, but if that's all we're gonna get, I'll take it. But I don't know. I really do not know about my loved baseball. But and then okay, I want to do. We have one more segment. Just like I said, I'm trying to keep it brief, um, more of a, you know, pilot. Um, and we're going to be doing a player spotlight on one of my favorite college football players for the 2020 season. And that's going to be Pat Fryermuth, tight end at Penn State. So, I mean, he's a, he's a mauler. He's 6'5", about 260 pounds. Um, he was born October 25th, 1998 from... Uh, he's from Merrimack, Massachusetts, graduated high school from the Brooks School in North Andover, Massachusetts, 
as a recruit. He was a four-star and considered the number three tight end in the class per 247. And last year as a sophomore, he earned, two, he earned all Big Ten honors. He was recognized as Penn State's offensive MVP, um, second-team All-American per the Athletic. He was all over different sites, All-Americans anywhere from second team to fourth team. And then this offseason, he's been recognized as a preseason All-American from ESPN. So, and let's see. Last year, he was also named a team captain, clearly showing the, you know, what James Franklin loves and that more than just a terrific player, he's a leader. So, kind of getting into what I love about Pat Fryermuth is he's just, he's a student of the game. He's a true, I was watching an interview of him uh, earlier today, and he's all about, you know, he's trying to study NFL tight ends. He's doing his best to try to mentor other guys. He, he's a hard worker that wants to make it happen and want, you know, he has that drive to be great. And then a, what makes him, you know, a beast and so hard to stop is that he's able, he uses his body to his advantage in terms of pass catching. I mean, so like I said, 6'5", 260 is incredibly hard to stop, especially you know, if you're facing a linebacker, he has sneaky speed, he can get past them. And then on a safety, he can just out-muscle them, and he has the size to body them. And more than that, obviously, pass catching is the flashy part of any tight end. But he's a terrific run blocker. He's he's well, in pass protection as well. He's a willing and able blocker, which is something a lot of times you, it's hard, really hard to find guys that can both block and catch, and that's exactly what PSU has in Fryermuth. And so last season, let's see, he had a pretty good year. Pretty good year. Let's uh, let's pull this up. Pat Fryermuth stats. The, the main thing for last year is obviously it was his first big year um, getting targets. He he played his freshman year. He had 26 catches. Um, and I mean, you know, he got a decent amount of playing time, but especially in 2019, uh, last season, he was more, I'd say, the secondary target on offense with, obviously, stud K.J. Hamler taken in the second round by the Broncos. So, while you could make the argument that, well, maybe he was effective because he wasn't being focused on, I think ultimately, with Hamler gone, he'll be the, with him being the focal point of the offense, I think he'll just have a monster season. So let's see. Put up, had 43 catches for 507 yards um, with seven touchdowns. So, I mean, that's a pretty good year, especially, you know, tight ends are a dying. Not, I don't want to say a dying breed, but college football, I feel like recently we haven't seen, we haven't seen great tight ends. You know, I feel like tight end play for a lot of people is kind of fading out. They're more about, uh, four receiver, three, you know, higher receiver sets or split backfield, that kind of thing. So, I mean, he put up very good numbers, and he had a couple specific games that stood out to me that, you know, just showed how terrific he was. More than, there's a, there's one highlight video, I don't remember what game it was from, it might have been the Cotton Bowl, of him just trucking over a dude, that was incredible, and that was a highlight real play, but more than that, let's see, it was, it was against Iowa in a good win, uh, he had five catches for 60 yards, which isn't anything gaudy, but the three touchdowns, I mean, 
this guy in the red zone, it is, it's crazy. Crazy red zone threat with that 6-5 frame. And then against Minnesota in a tough loss, he had his first 100-yard game, um, 7 for 101 yards. So, I mean, he I feel like he's poised to have a breakout year. And, I mean, college football this year, more than previous years, like I was kind of saying, is pretty loaded at tight end. So, I think... He might not be a shoo-in for the Mackie, but um, Penn State's rolling. He's going to be a big part of it, and he is competing with the likes of Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts from Florida, but I, I think he can do it, and I would I feel like he's probably, as of now, he looks like the best tight end in the 2021 draft class. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see what he can do on the field, off the field, his hobbies include uh, being with friends and family as well as writing. And um, in terms of schoolwork and career outside of football, he's very interested in criminal justice and hopes to become either a college football coach or work in law enforcement. So that is player spotlight for Penn State tight end Pat Fryermuth. Very excited to watch him his junior season. Uh, not at all a Penn State guy. I don't necessarily care for Penn State success in the Big Ten, but he's a fun guy to watch. And, man, man, I just really look forward to all of college football. But name maybe you didn't know, under-the-radar guy, look out for Pat Fryermuth. And that will just about conclude us here. Um, thank you for tuning in with this pilot. I think most episodes will probably be a little longer with some different topics, but, you know, just wanted to kind of get a feel for it. And please be sure to let me know um, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, questions. I mean, anything, if you have a topic that you want to hear me talk about, I will be on it. And then also future episodes, definitely going to get some guests on. Um, obviously, I don't have, I'm a, I'm a 14-year-old, I don't have necessarily a lot of big connections, but I'll definitely be getting some knowledgeable people on here, and hopefully we'll get to the point where maybe we get some bigger up people, but that's all for me. Thank you for tuning in to the Redshirt, uh, excuse me, not Redshirt, blog, for tuning in to the Redshirt Podcast, Volume 1. Have a great day.